Zen, Zen. Episode 24. Episode 24. Yeah. Episode 24. We, we kicking, kicking down, down the door. door. Hey. <laughs> we are back. We're here. Welcome, are you there? Welcome to Goodnight Harlem. If you don't know, I am Law, and this is <laughs> the best that's ever done it. Avia. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Coming in Way strong. Way to be humble. Coming in uh, strong to the podcast today. I'm on one. We're going to get right into Hyper Good Nights. You guys all know this is one of my favorite piece of segments that we do, aside from Black Guard Revoke. Hyper Good Night. We start today with something that I don't believe that I'm going to be talking about because I never thought I'd be talking about this person on our, our podcast. Amber Rose. Amber Rose is in the news because of something that happened with her son. And let me be very specific. She has a son with Wiz Khalifa. And so, hyper good night to Amber Rose's response to people calling her son gay after receiving a gift from Taylor Swift and liking the gift from Taylor Swift. Avia, you start. I'm definitely good nighting this. I, I, it's horrible. That's, that's I saw scary. the video of Sebastian when he opened up the, the huge gift, gift from Taylor Swift, which included like all these signed things and memorabilia. And he was so excited. And it, how, my thing is, how do you talk about someone's child like that? That is beyond me. I don't even have kids and I can't even imagine someone attacking my child. But for, let me be clear. This hyper good night is specific to Amber's response to this stuff. Oh, my bad. Oh, Amber's response. I'm definitely hyping. Okay, got it. I That's, need to look okay. up her response to tell you guys the response, unless you have it up, Ma. Yeah, uh, basically, she... I'm not even call it a rant, because that would be wrong to put it in the, the context of a rant. Her exact quote is, Shout out to all the hyper-masculine men and ignorant, dumbass women that will call a five-year-old gay for liking Taylor Swift. That's where she, she landed on that, and that's what she had wrote in her Instagram story. Uh, she also wrote... This is why young kids kill themselves, and this is also why our society is so effed up. Well, she said the F word. Um, We allow him to be himself. He can listen to whatever music he likes. He can like whatever color he wants, and we let him be passionate about whatever his little heart desires. Um, Didn't she also make reference to 6ix9ine and how this is why your kids listen to 6ix9ine or... I don't know about that. Maybe she did. Maybe I was reading some comment or something like that. I think it was a comment that someone wrote. Someone that actually made reference to 6ix9ine, the, the blood rapper, saying, you know, people don't even, they don't even celebrate kids being kids anymore. It's like kids are growing up so fast that I don't know what people's expectations of kids are. And it's like, how do you attack, first of all, a child's sexuality? That's off the table. A child is off the table. And I don't know how people came to the conclusion that he's gay. How did you get that? From him liking Taylor Swift. Are you serious? Is it because she's a pop singer? Is it because she's a woman? What is it? I don't understand how anyone could ever come to that conclusion. All I can say is I'm glad that Amber and Kanye have distanced themselves from each other. Because otherwise, Sebastian would have never got that gift. Okay. (laughs) So. What about you? uh, The hyper goodnight is around her response to... The haters. And I'm going to hype night this. And as crazy as that sounds, I think it has to be a hype night because I am all going to, I'm always going to be for anybody defending their children. And in this case, I don't, I don't, I think it's indefensible what they're saying about her child and not to say somebody being gay is a negative per se. Of course not. However, 
uh, to put a, a something that in our society is almost a stigma to certain to a certain degree, which is even sadder. Um, is unfortunate because he's just being a kid, and if of he course. likes music, he should be able to like whatever the fuck he wants. And right. who are you to fucking judge her child for that? However, here is where I'm good nighting her. Amber Rose has been a a central uh, player in the I don't give a fuck about what you guys think about me movement. She is that person. She is the central theme of I don't give a fuck about what you guys. And mind you, I'm saying me. I don't give a fuck about what you guys think about me. Mm-hmm. Now, when it comes down to you saying that and you start to post your child on social media and all, on all these platforms, I'm not saying that it's okay that anybody has an opinion on your child because they shouldn't. But you open your child up for people to have opinions on them based on you posting. So, so what are you good nighting? So I'm good nighting the fact that you would even complain when no. you're the same person. No, when you're the same person that I don't care about what any of you guys think about me. I don't you care clearly, what any of you guys think on, about I, I, me. I, She's I keep pointing out to the, to the me part of this. And if you're going to do that, then you can't expose other parts of yourself to them, which this is even closer to you because it's your own seed. And you have to just accept whatever that is from them, too, because essentially, at the end of the day, you're saying you don't care. So don't care and have that same energy on this. No, I, I can't. I can't. I can't make them coincide with each other because she's talking about herself. Mm-hmm. She's saying, I don't care what you what you say about me. Say whatever you want about me. But what? children are our children are just they should always limits. be off limits. Just, they should, that is just, I, I am not that is just an unspoken not thing. With that. Children are just off limits. And then at the point where you are commenting on a child's sexuality, mm-hmm. and like you said, not to say that gay is bad because it's not anything. It's just that let the child be a child. And there's too many kids out here that are not children. And so when they actually see a child being a child, they have something bad to say about it. Yet they'll go and hype up a video of of a two-year-old singing every single line to a Kodak Black song. And it's just like it goes viral and it's celebrated. My, and it's just my like only thing is our society is you, twisted. And that's what she was trying to say. She was you're saying spending, that you're, you're cyberbullying somebody at a young them, age. You're highlighting them. By pointing out the fact that they've been saying anything. Don't even... She's put... But she's highlight highlighting them. it because she's highlighting the fact that this is how cyberbullying starts. You just labeling someone as something without them doing anything bad to you. This is how it all starts. And this is how people come to a point of committing suicide. Suicide rates have have have, have been lower as far as like the, the age range of who's committing suicide has become younger. And that is all due to cyberbullying. Mind you, I don't think I said this. Her son's five. And her son knows the That's word. That's it. No, I'm just going to leave her, her at that. Her son, at the five. age of three, knew what translucent meant. So it's like, we're not going to celebrate this video of, of her son being happy over a gift. We're going to make fun of him for it. But he is a very smart child. Like, that's all I got to say. All right. Next up. Our next hyper good night is around the Facebook data breach. I want to go first on this one. Go ahead. For those of you who don't know, um, Facebook user by the name of Lauren Price in Maryland, has filed a suit in San Jose on Tuesday on behalf of up to 50 million people whose data was used by Cambridge Analytica. It's a class action lawsuit that claims Facebook had absolute disregard for her personal data along with the 50 million other people. This is really funny to me. So, hyper good night to the Facebook data breach case in itself. I think this is really funny. 
I don't give a single fuck about this, so I'm good nighting her whole premise on this. Facebook has been using people's data since I, I literally since I've known Facebook to start marketing, and because I'm in marketing, we've been using people's data that Facebook allows us to tap into directly. You're able to take information from their uh, from their uh, DMP, and if you guys don't know what the fuck that means, literally every single uh, major entity has a data management platform that allows you to potentially either take data from it or et cetera, but you have to get an agreement to do so. This is not a thing. Marketers have been doing this for years and the backlash from this is absolutely ridiculous. In my opinion, as a marketer, there's nothing you're gonna do to stop this. This is happening everywhere. I don't care whether you're talking about Google who has all your information and occasionally has to give it away for the government, or we're talking about Amazon who again has all your goddamn information and giving it away to the government. You can't do anything to stop this. So I'm good nighting the whole thought of this even being an issue. What do you got? Um, but didn't the didn't the uh, data breach have uh, specific effects on the the Trump uh, presidency and as far as Brexit goes and, and ensuring that Brexit had happened? Like I had read something about that where they they used this data and created these things to push those agendas so that those things happen, right? That's not that's not a hundred percent the case. It's not a hundred percent the but, case. Um, I don't know. Uh, we we've we've gotten some word about how people feel about our hype nights. They really want us to make a decision. So I don't I don't want to hype night this. Um, so I'm just gonna good night it. Um, at the point where we are right now, the only reason I'm good nighting it is because, like you said, Facebook has been using our information, whatever information that may be. Um, for years, it's like, think about the internet in itself has been using our information for years. You cannot go online shopping well, and not see that same thing that you put in your cart or even looked at. You didn't even click on it without it showing up again later on in, in your search for something else. Like, so that's, that's clue right there that the government, the internet, every meant and net is in our life <laughs> and we have no control we really don't have any control over how much they are in our life and how much they control what we see and what kind of information they have my dad lives by the philosophy that his phone is tapped 24 7. all of our phones are tapped yeah That's but tapped in a way where it's just like he's very mindful of it like there's certain things i would say over the phone that he would not um he, he feels like someone's on the line. Like, I don't know if it's a paranoia thing or anything like that. But um, I will say this. I did see the Mark Zuckerberg uh, interview where they addressed him about this. And I can honestly say that from what I saw, he seems very into making sure that the right thing happens. Um, they asked if he was asked to testify in court. What she really him. means is he's going to make sure that his investors are happy. Well... I mean, hopefully, I mean, hopefully the right thing does happen, whatever that may be. Because my thing is, I don't know what kind of information Facebook has on me. I really don't. All of it. I don't know what I don't know what my rights as a person is to yeah, to gonna, go against you're, it. You're not going to read the 17 pages right. of the documents you're supposed to read. And that's the you thing. Agree using a platform. If you signed up to be part of Facebook, it has become a bigger monster than what it was originally. And personally, I don't think that Mark Zuckerberg has. A handle on every single little thing. When there's he did, no way. There's no way. 
Um, and what he did say was if he was asked to testify, he would definitely do it if it was the right thing to do. But if there's information specific to Facebook and having this data breach, um, that someone in his company was more well-versed at, he would have them testify as well. And so I can do nothing but support that. That's it. Well, all right. We're moving right along. And Avi, you can take this one. All the right. third hypergonite that we have. Um, so it has come out that Aubrey O'Day... Of Danity Kane? Is that, of is that Danity Pre Kane. Previously of Danity Kane? Previously of Danity Kane <laughs> and whatever other endeavors, Celebrity Apprentice she was on. Oh, yeah, sure. During yeah. Celebrity Apprentice, uh, she fell in love with Donald Trump Jr. for some reason. And, <laughs> <laughs> and it has come out recently that during that time in 2012, when Donald Trump Jr.'s wife was pregnant with their 15th child. I didn't know that part. I didn't know that, that she was pregnant. Yeah. That you're 100% sure? Yes, I'm 100% sure. <laughs> okay. And the child part is clearly, you know, she's like third or fourth child. I don't know. Um, so while she was pregnant, Donald Trump Jr. did have an, a six-month, seven-month affair with Aubrey O'Day from Dandy King. And this news has come out recently because sources of Aubrey O'Day, not her herself, have come to TMZ and basically told her business. Um, now, when you look online from past tweets during that time, it's obvious that she's mentioning a secret lover that she's with, and she doesn't say his name. There is a song called DJT, which is supposed to be about Donald Trump Jr. Um, and so what's interesting about this situation is that as soon as this news broke, black Twitter went awry, specifically black woman female Twitter went awry and dragging Aubrey to the depths of hell. Like, can I just add in, so some of the things that were being said during that time frame, and it's still it's still online, you guys can go search this out yourselves. Just type some, in black Twitter, Aubrey O'Day. <laughs> so, some of the things that were being said was, she's a home wrecker, um, she's doing this for the check, uh, you knew he was married, that's a quick Google search. Why would you even put your name on this? Why would you own this? Why would you talk about it? You're disgusting. Um, it's a lot of woman bashing women that's concerning. And according to the stories, what happened was Donald Trump Jr. basically was telling Aubrey that he was currently married, but he was getting out of his marriage. He wasn't happy. Um, it was a process that was happening. So it, it, to her defense, she didn't go into the situation thinking that she was trying to steal someone's man, but she was under the impression that he was already leaving the situation he was in. And in a quote-unquote toxic situation, let me be clear. Right. And so when Donald Trump found out about this situation, because at some point Vanessa, the wife, did find out about Aubrey and things went crazy, Donald Trump basically recommended to his son that he get rid of that side piece situation and work on his marriage, which is exactly what happened. Um, but the hyper good night is to the media reaction, specifically the black woman reaction to O'Day and her being called a homewrecker. And what, I do, you, start this, what do you think about I this? I want to start this so badly. Um, here's my first thing. The, the reaction is an overreaction, first off, by the women that I saw on Twitter and even within Instagram in itself. Think about what you guys are actually saying. And sorry for calling you guys, but think about what you ladies are saying. Seriously, you're coming out against a woman who said that she's been bamboozled, basically. She's been lied to that 
He is in a toxic relationship, coming out of his toxic relationship. And that's almost to say you guys don't believe that she was lied to. If you're going to say, how could she say something? This is disgusting. And she's a home wrecker. If she's a home wrecker, then that means that she purposely went out of her way to do that. So I want to good night anybody that has anything negative to say about what happened to her and how she's put into the situation. Like, that's absolutely ridiculous. As if guys don't lie every day. As if people in every relationships day, don't guy. lie every day. Guys is, be lying about not lying, my guy. <laughs> about not lying. Is that two lies in one? I don't know. Whew, that's, um, a, that's a double negative. Does it make it a positive? <laughs> <laughs> two minus two equals one, right? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I'll, I'll agree with you. I'm good nighting that whole spiel because, uh, first of all, Aubrey's not getting any money off of this. She's not writing a tell-all book. These Facts. are sources that have come out on her behalf. Um, there is no NDA sign. She's not looking for a payout. This is her truth. So if someone wants to ask her and say, did this happen? And she says, yes, then that's what happened. <laughs> Why are we not focused on the fact that this man who was married for 15, I don't know, some odd years with five kids, five, six kids, cheated on his wife. It's even worse that he did it. And that wasn't even the first time. That's what? the time that we found out about. It's even worse that he did it while she was pregnant because you just brought that to my attention. She was that. pregnant, my guy. And she had a couple kids after that situation. Um, and, I mean, this is a man whose father grabs them by the pussy. Oh! This is a man whose own father... Cheated on Melania with a stripper named Stormy Daniels right after Melania gave birth to, to Baron. Correction, Stormy Daniels is an adult film star. But oh, I'm we'll sorry. Continue. What did I say? You said stripper. stripper. Oh, but okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. She doesn't just take off her clothes. She takes off her clothes and has sex on camera. That's My right. bad. That's I right. underestimated is... her abilities. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't worry. Stormy can make shit cloudy. So anyway. This continue. is a son of a man. Who put his stepmom at risk by having sex with a porn star after she had their last child? And we're gonna sit here and 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 just throw fire on Aubrey, really? I think the thing about it is that makes it so interesting is that women there's so many such situations where women should stick together. And this could be one of them. But instead of these women looking at it like, man, I've definitely been through a situation like right? that. Right! Or, man, I definitely dealt with a dude who acted like that was just his homegirl, but it was really something more and had me thinking he was single and available for me. Or, man, I've I've been dealt dirty by a man and I can relate to whatever she's feeling. They are coming down on her like she did something to them personally. Shit's and weird. that I don't support. Shit's mad weird. So I'm goodnighting all. I, I seem to goodnight black women Twitter a lot. Um, it's usually the she, she apologizes. I don't. Because y'all be I wrong apologize. sometimes. Okay, I apologize on behalf No, of don't. Because we both goodnighted them. Y'all be wrong sometimes. And, and y'all always think you're right. So goodnight. Okay. <laughs> I still apologize. All right. Don't. Uh, don't. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to my single-handedly my favorite part of the Black show. Black. Wait, wait. You got to do the song. It, what was it? Last time she it came changes on. Changes up. I it don't changes up. Okay. Well, I like anyway. Black card revoked. I like that one. There it is. Black card revoked. And for those of you who don't know what black card revoked is, it is me and or Avia coming to uh, the cast and explaining how or why it is that we would need our black card revoked based on stereotypes. So, this week's Black Car Revoke belongs to me. And let me just be very clear about this before I even get into this. 
I understand what it means to grow up in a poverty-stricken neighborhood because I did. I understand what it means to grow up poor because I did. I understand what it means to grow up and be quote-unquote hood. I grew up and we had welfare. I grew up, we had everything from Section 8 to et cetera. So I don't have any problem with anybody stating they are from said area. I do have a problem when people claim that being hood is good. Nobby, I wanna I wanna make sure that anybody that comes out that says, oh yeah, you know, you know, I'm just hood. That's how I am. Oh, like memorizing being hood? Yes. Oh, okay. I'm just hood, that's how I am. Nobby. No, you you need to evolve, my guy. Please have an evolution, my guy. I know way too many people that rest. I'm talking about they are in business. They have bachelor's degree. That's no the hood. The hood in me right now. Come out. What? <laughs> Man, if you don't sit your are we ass down. Be looking forward to that. I'm confused. <laughs> what? If you don't sit your ass down somewhere, what? The hood in you, and then it, it, it's it's crazy because. There is this level of glamorization in our culture around being hood, whether it means you come from the projects or whatever. It's like if you're not connected to that in some way, you're considered softer, mm-hmm. which is also ridiculous. I don't give a damn if you're from the, the, the hood in Compton or you're from the hood in Detroit. Ultimately, you grew up in poverty in some way. Anybody that's glorifying poverty, though, to me, is ridiculous. Mm. Because all the people that I knew that have been in poverty are trying to find their way out. And if you actually make it out, the one thing you're not trying to do is go back to it. So please, everybody, do me a goddamn favor. Get over I'm so hood. That's it. Can I just can I just interject? Sure. I saw something on the shade room that kind of like went along with this. Mm-hmm. And the shade room had posted up this tweet that someone posted. And so the guy said, bro, so I had court today and the judge asked this man who drove him because his license was suspended. And he replied, my bitch, with a straight face. Then after a long silence went, he said, oh, my bad, my bitch, your honor. (laughs) He said, I waited an hour to tweet this and I'm still dying. Um... And so someone asked what the judge said, and he he said he was silent for a second. Then he said, excuse me. (laughs) And, like, to me, that's, like, the hood coming out, and you can't help it coming out. Like, in your everyday life, you don't even realize what is hood and what's just not acceptable for certain situations. And that, to me, is an, an, an example of someone who has not had exposure to anything but the hood. And I think what people are glorifying is the the amount of street cred, the amount of respect, Man, the, the God, amount of... Man. I'm not agreeing with that. No, I, I, I'm just saying that there's hood people, like real hood people, where all they know is the hood, and they don't they don't have an outside worldly mindset of how things are done and how things should be. And then you have the people that are hood but know about that other world, and they're trying to like balance those two words and be my, like, I'm hood, and you know, I still get by, I still do this, and they're still, they're trying to validate issue, themselves. My, but my issue isn't with somebody who 
is from the hood. I don't have an no, issue I know, if that's where you grew up. They're I trying to validate issue. themselves by using the hood as like, well, I'm hood. So that's why yeah, blah, I blah, blah. That that's not. So what? they recognize that they're hood. What I'm saying is this guy in the tweet didn't even recognize he was hood. You know what I'm saying? He literally was like, oh, let me make this better by saying, oh, my bitch, your honor. Like that was making it better. And there's a difference between people that can recognize that and people that don't. And these people that do recognize that their hood are the ones that are glorifying it. That shit bothers me. It's like, don't be ashamed of where you come from. Hell but no. But don't sit here and act like that is the way. Right. And that's the only way. I don't I don't believe I'm hood excuses behavior is my point. It just doesn't. It doesn't. You're not. You're I not, agree. You're not ever going to get that past me. That was a me. nice progressive black heart revoked. <laughs> I'm being very progressive with this. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Speaking All right. of progression, Ooh. here comes our main topic. Now I want to. I, I just want to. Can I just say? Can I just disclaimer this whole thing and I was say do the same thing. we may say my guy a few times, and we already have because that's the theme of this discussion. My guy, go ahead. Okay, I want to. I'm, I'm putting a disclaimer on this episode to say. The name of our show, for God's sakes, is Goodnight Harlem. Meaning we are two people that reside in Harlem. We live in New York. We are steadily, slowly but surely, becoming native New Yorkers. We're transplants at the end of the day. That's facts, it. Facts. But, but, That's it. but, slowly but surely, they're doing, with the years passing, if we extend our time stay here and we've lived in New York longer than we have where we previously come from, then we are New Yorkers at that point. But until then, we are transplants. Through, through and through, both of us are transplants, ultimately. But I said all that to say, my disclaimer to this is, we both live in Harlem, we both live in New York, and this is not a referendum on New Yorkers, but more of a discussion and an observation of the things that we've seen and of conversations that we have with native New Yorkers about everything. So, with anything you hear us say on this, just know it's not coming from a place of malice. It's coming from a place of objectivity. So, mm. with all that said... We're not bashing. We're acknowledging. Right. With all that said... Know the difference. <laughs> I may bash a little bit. The main topic... <laughs> yeah, she, she, she probably I will. may bash. <laughs> she, she, I can't... Okay, I can't I justify anything that obvious. I gotta say. keep it real with myself. I can't justify anything I say either. So, so I'm gonna just put that out there before <laughs> Okay, our main topic today has everything to do with New York versus everywhere else. Everywhere else. And when we say New York, we're talking about New York City specifically. Yes. That means the, the boroughs. So NYC versus everything else. <sighs> this conversation actually started with uh, a very good gathering. Like I have a, a, a bunch of guy friends in New York and one of the groups of guy friends I have are mostly native New Yorkers. Like they grew up here in different boroughs and et cetera. And so they all have different experiences in those boroughs, but they have very similar beliefs when it comes down to how New Yorkers are and how New York is as a whole versus everywhere else, which I think is funny. So we wanna bring up some of those things that we've noticed and I'll interject with a few things from that conversation to continue the, com the combo overall as a whole. Uh, for starters, the conversation started off with them telling me how New Yorkers in general just have a lot more culture to them in general. So, what does that even mean? 
And because they they have different variations of food and they have all these people and it's a big melting pot and all these things that kind of make New York what New York is. Okay. And I laughed. I brought up the fact that I feel like there's three kind of New Yorkers. And they're like, well, what the fuck do you mean? Nah, you from New York, you New York. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> no, so I, I, made it, I made it very clear. There is a, a group of New York New Yorkers that I call my friends, including them, that are culture seekers. They want to see things beyond where they come from. They want to know people where they're beyond, like people beyond uh, people that they grew up around. They want to see more, right? And this can happen in any city, but in New York specifically, it's crucial that I break these three groups of people out. And then there is the cultured. The people who deem themselves as cultured, they grew up around all these things. They probably grew up in money, grew up having money. And so they have a different perspective on life in general because if you live in New York and you have money, your lifestyle is just completely different than anybody else's lifestyle in the world, period. Just throwing that out there. And then there's this other segment of New Yorkers. the What I call the homie homebodies. I'm talking about the people that are cool with only ever having been in their small circle, their small borough, or calling or deeming their area and place that they grew up to be the best thing, period, without having been anywhere else. Those are the people, that third group of people I'm mentioning. I don't care what anybody says to me based on the people that I've met. That represents to me around 60% of the native New Yorkers I've grown up around. I mean, that I've not grown up around, but I've met. Like, they are cool with the homeboy, homebody mentality. Like, I'm cool with wherever I'm at. I don't need to go see this. I live in the best city in the world. Mm -hmm. I go, mm -hmm. what? What? Now, Avia, I want to ask you, have you met any of these three subsects of groups that I even brought up? Mm. And what are your experiences My with that third group? <laughs> The third group is what I come across a lot. Um, so I'm not making that up, though, right? Like that. No, group you're exists. not making that up. If anything, there's probably subgroups that kind of cross lines. So there's that's true. There's people that will be born and raised in New York, and they'll maybe go off to school someplace else. Someplace else could be upstate, and that's just <laughs> way different because it's suburban, but it's still in New York State. But um, then they come back and they kind of feel like they've seen things and it's like, okay, well, I'm just going to lay my roots down here because this is what I know. And we have everything. Yeah. Um, True. As far as the culture seekers, <sighs> God, I don't know. There's, they're out there, but it's, it's not common. It's, it's not, not enough common. of them? All the culture seekers that I really know that really like to go places and do things. and You better they, not say they transplants. Not, I'll throw they you They are. No, what? don't do that. I'm saying the, the main that. ones that I know. Come on, Avi. You got to get them not, more credit, credit than that. It's not about credit. I'm just talking about my experience. Fair. You know what? Let me experience. back off. Let me back off. Because I know people that have gone away to school, like they've gone down south or they've gone to a whole different place that were born and raised in New York. And they go on trips and stuff like that. But it's like they can't imagine themselves ever living anywhere else. And I think as a whole, if someone is born and raised someplace and that's all, like the only place they live their whole life, I think across the board, a lot of people are like that. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are like that. It's just that New York is on a whole different level when it comes to that because 
people out here feel like like what you said. I am exposed to so many cultures. I am in this melting pot. I am so cultured. I don't have that desire to to go see China because I have I live on a Chinese block, or I don't have that experience to want to go see Israel, learn more about Judaism because my teacher was Jewish, or like what whatever the case is. We have all this different kind of food. We have all these different cultures. And they feel like they have pretty much the whole world within yeah. their city, which they do. But I don't ar- I don't argue that stuff. But that that thinking is detrimental. Because what it does is it prevents them from even seeking. Yeah, wanting to seek, having the desire to seek, go on vacations to other places just because like there is less of a of a of a void that they feel like they have for that because That's it's like true. well everything's here. I agree. And then they sit and they defend that. So it's like the whole defending being hood thing. That's... It's like they defend why they would never live anywhere else without even going anywhere else. Why would I want to live here when I got this and this and this? My corner store t- stays open till four or five in the morning. Like everything's at my fingertips. Why would I want to stay here? Cause you're struggling, my guy. Cause rent. For one bedroom is between seventeen to and above right. seventeen hundred a month to live in a box in New York. I agree. And in order to not struggle in New York, you have to be rich. There is like almost no middle <laughs> ground. You're either poor, like New York poor, or you're just rich. And if you're New York rich, you are you are United States rich. You filthy. Filthy rich. <laughs> so it's like, okay, you wouldn't want to live anywhere else because what? Because you wouldn't have to struggle? Like, that's an option, you know, right? Like, you can go someplace else and live in a mini mansion for what you're making now, what you're shelling out for rent now, and have six bedrooms, a backyard, and everything. But you want to stay here and live at your grandma's house because she has this rent-stabilized apartment that... She only pays three hundred dollars a month from, and you can just stack up your money and buy J's. Hello, like <laughs> hello. Oh my! See, see, I know you guys are gonna think that she's over uh, dramatizing this, which she's not. And I'm really not trying to generalize either. I'm just saying that there's a lot of people out here that have that mindset, right? Which which leads us to another part of this because in that conversation that I've had, and I've actually had this conversation with more than just the guys, it was around NYC kids growing up faster. Because they have to okay. than uh, kids in other places. And they're just like, we just, they, and I heard, because I'm from the Midwest ultimately. So it was, it was funny so hearing, with that? well, well hey, I, have, I have several takes on this though. It was funny hearing them say, we just, it's just kind of this assumption, like if the kids from the Midwest or from the South, like they just haven't really been through anything. So they're just naive to everything. So they could be hustled and swindled. And I was just like, I mean, I don't know about this being hustled and swindled shit because I think our parents raise us all to be even more like you have to think through almost everything. It's having this heightened sense of somebody's trying to fuck you out of something. I mean, that's how I was raised. I don't know. How were you raised? Like, like, I don't I feel like, raised like that. I don't I wasn't I wasn't brought up thinking that people weren't trying to scheme you, though. So I don't know. But maybe you had a different upbringing. I mean, I was. In my in my childhood, I was I always lived in the suburbs of wherever city I lived in, mm-hmm. um, whether it be Chicago or San Diego. I had a very suburban lifestyle, so my street smarts were not on the level of a New York child's street smarts. So mm-hmm. in that aspect, I can see why a New York child 
would have to grow up fast because one, um, a lot of New York kids are latchkey kids. And being a latchkey kid in New York and being a latchkey kid in the suburbs is not really the same thing. I think that on a daily basis, you are exposed to so much out here, whether it be poverty, whether it be um, crackheads, <laughs> whether it be like, right. you know, thugs or depending on the neighborhood that you live in, you're exposed to a lot of different types of situations. And just based off of our last situations, stories on the subway, uh-huh. that's just one aspect of New York. You know, imagine just coming home from school and having to go through a rough block so, to walk home and like having to, you know, like you don't want to pass by certain people because of whatever the case is. But I, I can understand the accelerated growth of a New York child as opposed to somewhere else because the street smart level is is just different. I will say that because there is a little bit more exposure to things. Now, I can't speak in in, in I can't generalize and say that if you didn't live in New York, and you live somewhere else that you don't have that same level, I would just say that in comparison to someone like me who grew up in the suburbs or maybe someone in the South where maybe they don't have that exposure to that many different kinds of people where so much can happen in one day mm-hmm. that they don't have that level. Um, I can well, understand well, that. So here, I can here, understand here's that. Here's where I go with that, though. So I think... Are do they have to grow up faster? Absolutely, based on commute alone. Right. So based on commute alone, they're not taking these yellow school buses most of the time. No, and and their (laughs) average commute for a New York high schooler in 2014 was 35 minutes to get from point point. So the average commute as a whole was somewhere between 35 minutes and 45 minutes, depending on which borough you lived in. So if you lived in the Bronx, your kid was going 45 minutes down. To get to school. And you know why? I know exactly why. Right. I'm not even trying to go down that that deep road. But think about that. That's 45 minutes where that means a parent's going to have to wake their kid up. Because a lot of these kids have to be at school somewhere between. Yeah. I was going to say somewhere between 730 and 830. That's the normal times. If you have to be at school between 730 and 830, your kid has to be out of the door somewhere between 6 o'clock and 630. And that means you are sending your child off. During the night, because it's still dark out at 6 a.m. You're sending them out during the night on a train where you have no way of knowing what's happening other than hopefully they have a phone with them to communicate, hey, you've made it to this next stage where you're supposed to go. And this all depends on the age range as well. Right. And but You're I'm, not going to see five-year-olds on the train by themselves. But I'm, I'm putting it out there for those kids who... I've watched kids be nine years old and above doing this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That would never happen where I'm from. Yeah. There's no as way. As well as me. Yeah. There's no way. And like, but public transportation also where I'm from is not like public transportation. Of course. In fairness. So, of course, that's going to lead the kid to experience all the things that you were talking about that I would never have to experience. And have a certain level of independence that we wouldn't have. Right. Right. So, my parents were weary of us riding our bikes more than four or five miles away. They're like, where the fuck are you right, going? Right. And, and, and in fairness to my parents, though, <laughs> understanding pedophilia being a thing and understanding gangs being a thing, my parents are like, if you go beyond this certain point, I can't tell you what's going to happen to you, so you're not allowed to go beyond this certain point. They can't necessarily have those same barriers on their kids. They want to say stay out of this area, but we actually live in this fucking area. So it's basically like, don't go down the street. Literally, the street that's around the corner, don't go around the street. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to deal with that 
consistently. Adult with it some, but not consistently. So of course, I would say, yes, they'll have to grow up way faster than we do in that, that territory. However, there is something that these New York kids are missing that we grew up with. And that's a standard child-like life experience. And this is what I mean by that. I don't have a single friend that grew up in New York that had a backyard. And the reason why I'm even pointing that out to being a thing is because where I'm from, you were allowed to have a backyard. Friends would come over. You could play in the backyard. You could play in the front yard. You had places where you could do it where you weren't in the middle of the goddamn street obstructing traffic. Like, we had places we could go to play. In New York, kids have to go miles and in between to get to a place where they can actually play sometimes. And if there's a park, in general, there are certain subsections of the park where you can't even play, which is also ridiculous. So then you can't even experience just being a kid regularly. We could play tag anywhere on our block. Let these little niggas try to play tag. Tag they get ran over by is car. an issue. <laughs> right. Like, that's an issue. Like, you're missing tag, out the on, car got you. You're it. No. on small things of what it's like to be a kid. And I'm bringing up those small subtleties because those are things that we, as children, we can't take those things for granted. But we did when we were younger because you were just exposed and you were able to do it. These kids aren't exposed and able to do that shit. And then, in general, we had more wilderness around us in general. So, there was more chances and more opportunities for us to get into shit that's outside than it is for them. Which is crazy. Um, And then the last part of it that I would mention, there's 1.5 million kids between the ages of 11 to 15 in New York City alone. 1.5 million kids alone. That's an eighth of the population in the city. You really have to think about that. That's more than certain states. Like, there's more kids here than there are people in certain states. That's insane if you really think about it. Like, so when it comes down to prioritizing your child, I always think about this. I'm like, depending on who has the child, the child's not even going to experience life the way they should because there's too many fucking other children in in any given classroom. You know what I mean? Like... There's so much that goes into that. So there's something that you said that made me think. Um, like while I said I was brought up in the suburbs, so when I was living in suburbs of Chicago, I, I lived in this suburb called Richmond Park and this other suburb called Park Forest. And my grandparents on both my mom and my dad's side, they lived in Chicago. So my grandfather's house was in Southside, which is considered the hood. My grandmother's house was in the west side, which is considered the hood. And I remember going over to my grandmother's house, and this was every weekend. So I lived a suburban lifestyle Monday through Friday. Friday night to Sunday night, I was in the city. So I just remember how tight my leash was when it came to my parents on the weekends because I would be wanting to play outside with my cousins in the west side of Chicago. And my dad's like, don't go past this tree. On the block. (laughs) Like my cousins, like... There was my grandmother's house on the corner, and then there was a block. Like, imagine a New York Avenue, pretty much. I couldn't even go to the end of that block. Right. It was, like, halfway point, maybe. So my cousins, because they grew up in the city, you know, my, my aunts were, like, really lenient on them, and they got to play all the way at the end where the other kids were, and I'm like, well, I can't go past here because my dad won't let me. And I never really understood why because I always felt like, well, I'm going to be there with these other right. kids. You know, and it was really just 
my parents just being protective over me, the suburban child who doesn't have these street smarts and is not used to this environment. And if something goes down, how will I react to it? Will I do the right thing? And them wanting to keep a watchful eye on me. And I, you know, I just think that that's pretty interesting because that in itself goes to show the exposure dictating how we're raised, you know? Um, One thing I will say is, I mean, I don't know too many New York kids that had like freaking football stadiums, like at their high school. (laughs) Like, and to me, I mean, that's that. I mean, my childhood is completely different than theirs in that aspect. I ran track. I used to go to the football games. We had, we had homecomings and stuff like that. Like the way that they do things out here, it's like so many schools share a football field type of thing. If you can find one. Like, you, do you notice you don't see tracks? You don't see football stadiums out here? Like, I don't know where these kids go. They're, like, going to, like, upstate Westchester. I don't know. Just <laughs> no. for a track meet. It, and it's just, like... <laughs> it, depend, it depends on uh, your borough and then what you have around your uh, any but given neighborhood. There's no such thing as a home game, is what I'm saying. Because <laughs> you, your game ain't got a home to play at. <laughs> like, it's just... It's just crazy out here. The, the other thing that I was going to add to this in terms of uh, growing up faster or not, and I, again, this is not a referendum on New Yorkers and how they're raised. It's just more of how New York is as a whole. I know so many people that didn't actually learn how to drive until they were deep into their 20s. Oh, yeah, because you don't have to. So are, Some people need, still don't drive. Hold on, but this is my point. We talk about being cultured and, and growing up fast. I'm like... Uh, where I'm from, people are like... Driving at 16, 15. Yes. Right. And they would look at you wild crazy if you didn't know how to drive. So it's like these differences of culture that they don't understand the flip side Mm -hmm. of. Like, culturally where I'm from, you are way behind on adulting. Right, right. Like, literally. People are like, whoa, what are you doing? Right. You don't know how to drive? Right. But they, they live in a place where everyone else doesn't do it either. So it's like... Well, this is what it is. Right. And then the, the I guess, the defense that they can use for that is like, well, where am I going to park? I ain't got enough money for a car. Fair. This and this and that. So, no, I can definitely see that. That's fair. One thing I wanted to point out about the accelerated growing up, <laughs> I think what happens is kids in New York grow up at an accelerated pace. I will agree with them on that. But what ends up happening is, and maybe the driving point is a good transition into this, is that as they get older, there's some regression. So when I say that, I mean, you can be 38 years old and have a roommate, and it's okay in New York. And anywhere else in the world, if you were 38 38 years old and you had a roommate... People will look at you like, why? Because it'd be like, why do you have a roommate? You're an adult. You're supposed to live on your own. You're supposed to do this. And that's why I brought up the whole point about how people will live at their grandmother's house until who knows when because they can. Because their grandmother has a rent-stabilized apartment that she only pays X amount of money on. And that's well below market rate. And you can get away with it. And it's like it's like there's no there's no incentive for someone to grow up at the pace that they should after they become an adult because there are certain roadblocks that New York places for someone to become an adult whether it be the whole driving thing or whether it be the whole rent is so high I can't afford it I might as well just stay at my parents' house because I grew up here and 
I might as well save money. There are things in this city that people who are never that never come here to visit and or people that have never grown up here would never be able to understand. And so if I'm telling my family members back home, oh yeah, I was riding on the bus today, they look at me like, well, why the fuck are you on the bus? And I'm like, are you poor? Right. They're like, like, wait, um, I thought you were fine. That's the fastest way to the gym. Right. (laughs) I thought you were fine. You're riding the bus? Why would you ever? And again, there is literally a culture gap there because they have no idea how the city is set up. So in fairness to them, their impression of the bus is you're waiting like 25 minutes for a bus to take you somewhere that literally might only maybe take you a good, I don't know. I'm going to Walmart to pick up some snacks. <laughs> so I took the bus down the road, Route 83. <laughs> but, but, but I think this, this, this does shift us into another territory. And this is something me and you even talked about before. And you had a very good point on this. One of my friends brought up that, in general, out-of-towners don't necessarily uh, understand how marriage is supposed to work. And New Yorkers have a better idea about that. Marriage, what marriage? And the reason why he was saying that is because he was like, oh, people in the South and the Midwest get married too early, and this is why our divorce rate's crazy. They don't understand that you have to evolve and be in a better place. And, like, New Yorkers at least understand that. They're just not willy-nilly getting married at, like, 21 and 22. It's because y'all don't have shit else to do over there. Wow. I said, okay. (laughs) Okay. And and what am I going to do? Argue that there is more to do in the Midwest than there is... I'm never going to argue anything like that. But to say that New Yorkers do marriage right and understand marriage in a way. Because uh, then I have to question the whole New York dating scene. I really have to sit down and question the whole New York dating scene versus the dating scene that I come from. Mm, what's that like? Because people where I'm from tend to date to to marry somebody. It's called dating with a purpose. And in New York, people tend to date just To pass time away. Right. And to get a cut buddy. Right. So, mm, I don't know if they're doing it wrong. I would say this much. If anything, New Yorkers have a sensibility about them where, because of the culture here, it's more important to get your career on a certain track than it is a lot of times to have a great relationship, which is not necessarily how the Midwest and the South is set up. Not to say your career isn't that as important to you, but people prioritize their work. I mean, their 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 home and social lives over this ridiculousness that we do in the Northeast. Uh, the whole time that you were talking, I was just thinking to myself, "What marriage?" Because I think the I think the debate would have definitely been like, "Okay, yes, we can say people in the South get married too quick at at a young age, and there's nothing else to do down there, and that's their main priority, and this is why the divorce rate is so high." Maybe some truth to that. I, <laughs> I, you know, honestly, I don't believe in getting married at 23. I don't really believe in getting married at 25. And, and everyone's different. So what I say doesn't go. It's not the end all be all. But what I'm saying is people grow, change, and evolve so much in their 20s. I would think that to find the person that you're going to spend the rest of your life with, you need to be absolutely 100% sure. And sometimes we are so sure about something at the age of 24 that at the age of 31, we'd be like, what? Why did I even think that way? And you right. never want to look at someone who you're stuck with for the rest of your life as what? Why did I even want you? Um, Damn. No, I know. This is the extreme version of it. But um, what I will say is that when it comes to marriage, that's why I say what marriage. Because in New York, it's almost like 
marriage is like a unicorn. Like I'll say within the within the black why, why? Pe- within the black people, I, I'll speak of that within the black people that I know that are born and raised in New York. There are so many situations where I have seen the whole "Will you be my wifey? Yes, I'll be your wifey. See, you'll be my wifey. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's all it is. It's this wifey aesthetic, and they literally take it to heart. And what I was saying to Law earlier was that this shit is so funny. To me. It's a it's it's the common law marriage that people have out here, where rent being so high has dictated exactly how your adulthood is gonna go in every aspect. It di- it dictates what job you're gonna have, how many jobs you're going to have, how much time you have, who you're gonna date, who you're exposed Facts. to. Um, rent dictates where you're gonna live, who you're gonna be surrounded by. Rent dictates, hey, I'm in a relationship with someone and we're both paying rent at our respective places, but we're always together. Let's move in together faster than you should. So if some New Yorker wants to have a debate about, oh, well, people get married faster than they should and and they, they do that too early before they even really get a chance to know the person, a lot of New Yorkers move in with each other way faster than they should and for the wrong reasons. Now, if your reason for moving in is to save money, that should be a reason, but that should not be the reason. Facts. And I find that that is always the reason a couple moves in with each other, is to save money. Not because they even see themselves with that person five years down the line or even maybe next week. And so that's why I say rent dictates everything because you have these people, and I know there's certain people I can think of in my head, old coworkers, everything, that have had these relationships. I had this coworker um, in the past say to me, like, oh, yeah, my wife my wife is going to come through, da, da, da. And I was like, oh, I didn't know you were married. And he's like, oh, I'm not. I'm like, oh, then why do you, why do you say your wife? And he's like, oh, because we've been living together for like 10 years. We got two kids, da, da, da. So you got the whole let's play house mindset. And house becomes real life and at that point where you have been living with your man and i'm not saying marriage is the way always but if you're one of those women who wants to get married and you've been stuck in this i'm gonna call it a a wifey situationship because that's what it is where you want to get married and the person that you are living with and playing wife to is just appeasing you by first moving in with you because that's gonna stall the whole thing like like, hey, she wants to get married, but if we move in together, maybe she'll get off this whole marriage tip and now buy me some time because that'll make her think that our relationship is progressing. Then it's like, oh, okay, she keeps nagging me about this marriage thing. Let me propose. Then you propose. And then you have this whole Chrissy Jim Jones situation where she proposes to him. You're forever in You're limbo. forever engaged for what? Yeah. Either be I- married or don't. But Don't. <laughs> But that's what I'm saying. Like, rent seems to dictate a lot of things out here, especially when it comes to how you do in your relationships. And I just, it's just, I, I don't know. I've never lived with someone that, I, that I've dated. So maybe my opinion comes from the lack of knowledge that comes along with that and the motivations behind everything. Um, the one thing that I was going to say regarding that, and this isn't me trying to get way far away from that piece of it, though. When it comes down to to out-of-towners in general, I I will say this much. We do put a lot more emphasis on dating, dating in a way that is a little bit more purpose-driven. And not to say that there isn't people playing with people's hearts 
in the Midwest or in the South, but I mean, I there is a reason why people are getting married earlier over there. And so I'll just leave that there. I think one of the things that one of my friends had commented on is that NY women as a whole were a little bit more sophisticated than women they had met that we would deem transplants and from mean? other places. And it has a very open meaning. And very subjective. One of the things they brought up is that uh, New York women that grew up here embrace their heritage and culture more and they know where they're from better. And their heritage they, and culture? Yeah. They embrace their culture more was one of one of the things I that they disagree. said. By by embracing their culture, that means that they be uh, more apt to uh, wearing something that was a little bit more based on their background. So if you're from Jamaica, maybe there's certain garb and et cetera, they wear it else from there. If you're from South Africa, you're wearing something. If you're from Nigeria, you're, wearing, you're, you're representing yourself based on your culture. And you probably wouldn't do that if you were from another city because they would force you to, uh, in some ways, suppress that. Damn, you know. Um, they, <laughs> and then they, they understand uh, everything from food to... Food? Uh, wait, wait. They, they understand everything from, from food. And by food, I mean different cultures, different uh, ethnicities. They understand that better than people from other places. Like, man, one of our friends goes, and I'm going to put on the dumb caveman voice because this is how he said it to me. And I was so irritated because my family's from the Midwest, so I, I took offense to it. But one of our friends says, yeah, I took this girl out and the girl's from Ohio. And I'm not, I don't have anything. I'm not going to say anything negative about somebody from Ohio because that's very close to where I'm from. Because we're LeBron lovers. Shout out to LeBron, too. Anyway. Shout out to LeBron, Bron. Shout out for no reason. Shout out Bron. He deserves a random shout out. Right. No, but uh, he took a girl out from Ohio and he's like, man, bro, she didn't even know what caviar was. And I was like, okay. So she's never heard of caviar. Okay. My, my aunt has never actually eaten sushi. She's heard of it, never eaten it. And in the Midwest, where I'm from, there's not very many sushi places, and there are not very many places where you go to get sushi. Like, you wouldn't have real sushi, even if you were going to have it, because it requires the sea. So, I'm like, in fairness, maybe that's just not around her like that. She, he was like, I mean, that's what I'm talking about. Like, she's too out of the loop for me, bro. Out of the loop. Like, I'm like, <laughs> wow. So, now he thinks every woman that's not from New York is just out of the loop. Yeah, and of course he gave me other instances where, and again, this is a preference thing more than anything, or you just haven't been subjected to it, in fairness. So he was on a date with someone else, and the, the commentary on the other girl was, she didn't know, certain, and, and I only noticed because I was invested in TV. She had never heard of the Harlem Shake. And I was like, okay, but if you weren't listening to rap, or you weren't- I only knew about the Harlem Shake through our, our theme song. No, I did. It was really through the whole G Depp video. That's when I, that's I, how, that, that's how no, I found out about no, the but, but that's how I found out about it too. Right. But in fairness, if she's never heard that or wasn't interested in hip hop in that way, then okay, it might. So, but his thing was, I mean, seriously, you you gotta at least like know something about the culture in New York like but so New Yorkers don't know about the bunny hop they don't know about the shuffle they don't know about all these true. other things that point. are like lo centrally located in other places that that's, are not New York true. but that are popular out there so she doesn't know about the Harlem Shake okay bruh <laughs> what do you know about that 
You don't know about the K Wayne with it. That's some down south stuff. Like, come on now. So it's like, don't sit here and be like, well, you don't know about this, so you're not on my level. Like, but there's things you don't know about either. And to the whole, I'm sorry, to the whole culture thing and more accepting of their culture. I think that's some bullshit. What I'm going to say is, I think that what I've learned is that Harlem is the melting pot of African Americans, right? Brooklyn is the melting pot of people that actually know what country they came from. So we're talking about like Caribbeans, Africans, everything. Like a lot of black people in New York know what country they originated from. There's probably five African Americans in New York, and I, me and Law are, are two of them. <laughs> okay? So I don't know how you expect me to embrace the culture that I have when I don't even know what country I'm from. Now, you go to any other state and you meet any other black person from any other place, I guarantee you they will most likely be African American. So I don't understand that whole concept of transplants are not as accepting of their culture. We don't know our culture. So if you happen to be one of the privileged people that know that your grandfather was born in Jamaica and your great-great-grandfather was born in Haiti, good for you. But don't like sit here and harp on the people that have to do ancestry DNA to figure out what continent we came from or what country or what island. Like there's this thing about, and that brings me to this, there's this thing about this New York pride. Of course. The but New York pride. But there's pride everywhere, in fairness. There's pride everywhere, but it's not in like fairness. out here. So out here, they have the Caribbean Day Parade. They got Juve. They got... Wait a second. You don't feel like there's a pride associated with L.A.? Are you serious? They no, have there's definitely the L.A. Same... pride. But, but when I'm talking about there's levels to it out here, you got the Caribbean pride. You got the African pride. You got the di- different subsets of that. You got the borough pride. That's Okay. Fair. So fair. it's like levels. There's like, there's like layers of the pride that New Yorkers have here. And I am so not... I'm not against it at all. Be prideful of where you came from. And if you know exactly where you came from to the city in Trinidad, great. The thing that irks me is this whole Harlem versus Brooklyn thing and how it's so an important thing and how like if you say you're from one place or you live in another, then people already have like this idea of who you are. And I'm like, bro, I don't care. Yeah. I tried looking up the Harlem Brooklyn beef. I don't know if it has something to do with Cameron. I don't really care. Like, I don't know what it's about. And what did you say to me? You said, like, just accept the fact that I'll just never understand. Yeah, I, I am of the mindset that I don't want to understand. And being a transplant, I'm perfectly fine not understanding But New Yorkers this. will I don't want anything to do with on this. to it. No, because this is the dumb shit that I hear that coincides with what she's saying. If I go to Brooklyn and I visit somebody and I can visit one of my friends, they might have a friend that's also from Brooklyn and be like, oh, where you live at again? I'm like, I live in Harlem. Oh, you want to know Harlem niggas? I'm like, wait, what? It's like, no, what does that mean? I'm like, I don't even know. I don't wear True Religion jeans and Avax jackets. I did not say that, by the way. Yeah, that's what Harlem guys do. That is an obvious move. You know move. it's true, though. That is an you know obvious true. move. And look, hey, I rep Harlem all day, but look, let's call it like we see it. Go ahead. <laughs> no, but but the, the the thought is, oh, so you 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 are an uppity Harlem guy is really what he's trying what? to say. Because he <laughs> oh, there's, basically there's broke, levels to the Harlem. Yeah, guys, he basically right? broke Harlem into two things, and I laugh because oh, I'm you're like, from I don't. The city. I don't. Un- <laughs> yes, you're from the city. That's exactly the conversation. 
Like, what you're, the fuck are you talking about? So he's like, you're either you're either dressing like Joel Santana did in the late two thousands, where it's like the the skinny bleached jeans but and like so some, here, right? some Jordan. So cultured. Or 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 you are the uppity Harlem dude where you're wearing like I don't know wing uh, tips or something. Yes, yes, and wing tips, no socks. And you're <laughs> probably Muslim or like you know believe in crystals or something like that. <laughs> and you're part of the beard gang, and you 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 have incense in your house. You buy oils so, <laughs> on One Sixteenth Street. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> Which then kind of segues into this part of the conversation. I know, and I've I've heard this from way too many of my guy friends. They don't feel like people outside of New York have style, <laughs> which makes me laugh. But I know where they're coming from because they're like, if you were to go to Times Square, you'd be able to point out right away, okay, that person's definitely from like the Midwest. That person's definitely from like the South. And they're like, but it doesn't look good, and they're not put together well, and they look sloppy, and blah 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 blah. And I would never say that about anybody from any other uh, state and or from another country because you don't know. You don't you, have, you don't even know what the style is out there where they came from. You don't know. And maybe to you that style is 10 years ago. But to them, that could still be that shit. So like I'm thinking of like the locals of any certain place and what they wear. So like say where you're from in Michigan, what would someone that is considered a local or someone who was just never lived anywhere else, what would they normally wear? Oh on a man, casual I, wait, day? I can I can point this out really quickly because when I go back home a lot of times I get a lot of grief from people because they're like why do your pants fit like that? Meaning in, they don't understand why I'm wearing straight leg pants. Why aren't they a little baggy? And they really don't understand why I don't have the same sensibilities in terms of matching all my clothing the same way they do. So they'll match their... So let's say somebody's wearing a red shirt. They have a red shirt and they'll have on red shoes and they'll have a red belt and they'll have a red hat and they'll have jeans on. And they're like... You don't do this right. Like you don't know how to dress, and I'm like, oh, you did tell me about somebody. I was like, yeah, because I want to dress like the fucking Kool Aid man. Like, what the <laughs> fuck are you talking about? I'm never gonna come home and be like, oh, oh yeah, like the fucking Kool Aid man burst through a fucking wall. You look, you looking fucking ridiculous. I'm like, get away from me. Or you wear all orange and you look a, you look like a gallon of Tampico or something. <laughs> No, these niggas walking around looking like a full glass of Tang. Straight up Tang. These niggas look like Tang and Sunny D mixed together. I got my mushroom jacket on. Got my mushroom belt. See, you got to coordinate. You got to coordinate. Right. And this is is my favorite, though. It is, why are you wearing brown shoes with a forest green top? That don't make no sense, dude. Like, what you, you don't match, man. This makes no sense. And I'm like... You mean me wearing earth tones make no sense to you? <laughs> so basically you're saying the earth doesn't match itself. <laughs> so that tree over there, the trunk does not match the leaves. They don't coordinate and they're clashing. Right. I, I'm, <laughs> I am so confused by those conversations. But this goes into what they're saying about how they don't believe. This goes into my, what my friends in New York are saying about how they don't believe that people from other places have style. But I hear stuff like this, but then on the flip side, I know I also hear other people back where I'm from. They're like, man, that's really nice. Where'd you get that from? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of that. Because it's so subjective. Style is subjective. Is, but this is what I say to my, my, my New York friends about this. I said, you're only as good as your retailer. So if you're a local retailer, it's only Kohl's. has. Yeah, like. And it, no, hey, no offense to Kohl's, but if that's it, if that's like your high end spot, then I mean. You know, you're only going to have so many options. <laughs> Hello? Hello? 
But but his his whole, his whole point, and I got it. He was like, we're in the internet age. You can buy anything you want That's anytime true. you want. So he's like, you have no excuse. You got to know but, how to look, but, though. But, but wait, you do still have an excuse because the people around you are still going to have some form of a socialized barrier of what's called what's considered looking good versus what's not. And regardless of you having the internet at your disposal, the internet can only go so far when you have to deal with the day-to-day consequences of what you're wearing in front of those people. Period. That that it is what it is. I I would say that um, in general, I think a lot of people don't have style, and that's just my opinion. In general, I don't think that a lot of people have style, no matter where you come from. Um, I think that that's all very subjective, though. That's true. So wherever you go, if you go to like if you go to D.C. and you're like in the hood of D.C., you're gonna see like the the hobo you're gonna see the rubber bands around around the jeans you're gonna see the nike boots and all that stuff the dc brands and the bright colors and stuff like that you go to georgetown area everyone looks kind of like a hippie like they really don't care about what they got going on but they probably got a lot of money um you know typical prep school style and what but here's where i go with it what I said you you were claiming to me that you feel like New Yorkers have better style, and I said, well, what about the Tims that all you guys wear? And you guys, they tease me about not liking Tims like that. I did a whole IG story about it. Like I don't give a fuck. And one about of your friends Tim. actually explained to me why Tims are important. I'm, I, <laughs> they, they basically said it's, it, they're important for when you need to stomp on somebody. Oh my god. <laughs> this is one can't... of your friends. I won't oh say who. God. You know who you are. But <laughs> I was like, oh, well, I hope I never come across a situation like that. Because <laughs> I was saying, like, what are Tim's good for? I was like, you can't run fast in them if, a, if an emergency happens. Thank you. Like, they're heavy. Right. Like, they're just, they're just bulky, heavy. Like, I mean, I don't even know how people do construction in them. Like, <laughs> it's just. It's just I don't know. I, I like feather light shoes. You know what I'm saying? Like some Prestos or something. But but that was that was amongst one of the points that I brought up. I see very similar things within like the quote unquote uniform for a lot of New York men. I'm not even gonna speak on New York women because they have a, there's so many different variations of style for them. But I'm telling you, with what I've seen with New York men, specifically like black men, I'm like, fam, I could point out right away if you grew up in New York City. Oh, of course. And he it's got easy. he is offended. He's like, no, you can't. I'm like, yes, I could. How do you think you're different in the sea full of people where y'all all look the same? Hello? How does that happen? One thing I will say. I wish you were there. I wish I was there, too. One thing I will say is that New Yorkers do have style. Certain ones. I'm talking about the people that are into fashion, the people that are, like, keen on brands. Like, not just, like, I'm just going to throw this on because this is what I'm used to. Like, people that go outside the box and switch it up, yes, those people do have style. And I will give them that. And I will say they have been more of an um, inspiration for me to express myself in different ways to the point where I go home or I go someplace else and someone's like, oh, yeah, I can tell you're not from here. Or, oh, yeah, I can tell that you probably live in New York, blah, blah, blah. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, the whole thing's subjective, really. So here's the last point I was going to make on that before we get into our do's and don'ts. I will, I will say this one last thing about New York as a whole. I think New York is the place that I do uh, most of my uh, gloating about. 
Like I love being able to go home and talk about the things that I've saw, seen here, the things that I've experienced here in the culture that is New York in itself. There's so many different things to always bring up. But I will say this, amongst those three groups I mentioned in the very beginning of this, I do run into more of those homie homebodies than I do anything else, aside from my boys who are more like the culture seekers. Those homie homebodies drive me absolutely crazy. And if you are a homie homebody and you are listening, get the fuck out of your home, homie. Take the train to a stop you never got off at. And just walk around. Just walk around, just for starters. Go. go to Astoria or go to Jackson Heights. Yes. If you live in Brooklyn, away. go to Staten Island. If you live in Staten Island, go anywhere else because I doubt you leave the island. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get. Let's get That's to so the, mean. Just kidding. Let it, <laughs> let's get to these do's and don'ts. Obviously, today you are don't, so I'm gonna I'm gonna lead this off with mm-hmm. the do's. Ladies, you know I love talking to you. You know I love talking at y'all, to y'all, and today is no different. I'm going to speak about online dating in a way that I haven't before. Ladies, you never spoken about one it. thing that I do know based on my conversations with my guy friends, it is you really should try in some way, shape, or form to be exactly who you are. That means don't be afraid of being rejected. Don't be afraid of being exactly who who you are consistently that first date. And what I mean by that is, if you're the kind of person that generally likes to wear a big red, yellow, green, and turquoise coat, wear that fucking coat that day. Because at least he'll know up front, this is exactly who you are, and this is exactly how you're going to be presenting yourself. If you are the kind of person that genuinely just does not really like to rock out and wear makeup like that, show up like that. If that's how you really... If that's your steez, show up on that date like that. Show him who you are. Do not feed him the bullshit representative stuff that a lot of times all, all, it, all it does is elongate a relationship that's never actually going to happen. You show him who you are up front. You tell him to show him on the flip side exactly who the fuck he is. So you guys get out the pleasantries and just understand who the fuck the people are that you are on a date with. Because according to my guy friends, they're telling me that they're meeting a lot of facades in these first three weeks, and then the facade breaks down, and they don't know what to do with it. Just be yourself. Ladies, hold on to your facades for life. Nah, B. <laughs> nah. All right. It is you, the don't. Um, that's interesting. You spoke about online dating. Along with the online dating and the real life dating, um, one thing that seems to be important when it comes to attraction to men is height. And um, even in my own life, I can admit that I am a heightist. height enthusiast. She's a heightist. Yes, I am. Okay. Man, just just don't, don't. lie about your height. Oh, come on. Here you don't go. Don't lie about your height. If you are 5'9", you are not 6 feet. <laughs> you are not even 5'12". Okay? <laughs> so don't sit there and be like, oh, yeah, I'm 5'11". People that are 5'11 automatically just say six feet because they feel like, what's the difference? No, we can tell the difference. No, you know how? I am 5'11 and I claim 5'11. Good. Well, you're one of the few few people that actually keep it real and, and don't stick to a facade. I my thing is no this. Reason. I am 5'5 five, five and a half, right? That's what my doctor told me. It's a lie. Which means She's about that five if, foot seven. if I'm... Don't let if her I'm <laughs> no. People always think I'm taller than what I am. I'm 5'7". Five, five I'm 5'5 five, five and a half. 5'5 five, five with brown eyes. Smile like the sunrise. Okay. Um, now with my For hair our young out, listeners, that was a group. 
called? <laughs> Look it up. High School High. <laughs> that was called High School High. Yes, they are. Oh, I forgot. I just remember. Uh, forgot her name. Um. Anyways, all I'm gonna say is, if I'm five five and a half, and I put on my four inch heels on for the date, and you tell me that you are six feet, I was wrong. It was City High. Yes, yeah, City High. I was like, Damn. I was like, I was like, High she School got High. Me. Isn't that a movie? She got me. No, but I still all didn't know what the answer was. All right, go. Um. So if if I'm five five and a half, and I put on my four inch heels, let's do a little bit of math, kids. That makes me five nine and a half. Five nine, whatever. If you claim to be six feet, but you and I are standing eye to eye, forehead to forehead. Mine's probably a little bit taller because my mine's a- actual five head. Um, <laughs> you cannot sit there and tell me that you are six feet because I know what six feet looks like. You know how I know? I actually dated men who were six feet, so I know where I come up on them. On their shoulder, on their neck, whatever. When I stand next to them, I know where where my forehead ends. And it doesn't end at your forehead, okay? If you are six feet, you have to actually be taller than me, not eye to eye. Men, do not lie about your height. It will not work for you every single time, and I mean it. You know why? Because us women know how tall we are, we know how tall our heels are, and we know how to do math. And just like that, the music is playing. Uh, y'all can catch us. Y'all can catch us on anything from Facebook to SoundCloud to iTunes to Google Play. Uh, please go look us up at Goodnight Harlem. Good night, Harlem. And good night. We love you, New York.